Hi, this is Allison. On this episode of The Elements of Us, we take on the challenging topic of a cancer diagnosis to help us through that and think about the elements we can use to make a difficult time a little easier. We have the amazing Dr. Allison Ocean. Allison is an associate professor of clinical medicine at Weill Cornell Medical Center at Cornell University, a medical oncologist and attending physician in gastrointestinal oncology at New York Presbyterian Hospital, Weill Cornell Medical Center, and she practices medical oncology at the J. Monahan Center for Gastrointestinal Health. She is also the co-founder of Let's Win, an organization dedicated to providing information and research to all those affected by pancreatic cancer. Allison is also one of the most empathetic doctors I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, and I am even luckier to call her my friend. Take a listen. Okay, Dr. Allison Ocean, it is my absolute pleasure to have you with me on the Elements of Us podcast. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you so much, Ali, for having me and for introducing me to this wonderful program that you've developed. And I, I can't wait to learn more about it as well. Oh, thank you. And I love that you call me Allie. Full disclosure for all of our, for all of our listeners, I know Allison through my sister, uh, Cindy Gavin, because Allison and Cindy, and it's so funny for me to get to say that and be speaking about you and not me, are, uh, are partners in crime and leading an amazing organization called Let's Win, uh, which helps to uh, spread awareness and advocate for patients with pancreatic cancer. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, totally right. So we are here, uh, you're always Dr. Dr. Allison and Dr. Ocean, but we're here not to really talk about medical advice, but really the human side of of cancer because it affects so many of us. And for those of you who are listening who aren't familiar with the elements of us, the elements of us is a framework that helps make the subject of emotion easier. And it's comprised of 54 very colorful elements that make it easier to manage well-being, think about uh, overcoming challenges and obstacles, and create deep connections with other people, and really to help each other through different through difficult times. And I can't think of a more difficult time to encounter in someone's life than, than a, a cancer diagnosis. So as part of the, as part of our podcast, we always talk about five elements. And one of the elements that we talk about um, is always what I call a gray element. And those are the stressor elements because they come into all of our lives. And when you think about a, a cancer diagnosis, like let's start from the, from the start and let's start with the scary stuff. Um, you know, fear is something that comes into play. So, um, so Allison, can you can you share? I mean, because I, as I say, um, Allison is one of the um, most empathetic doctors in all of mm -hmm. New York City. So delivering a cancer diagnosis has to be a, such a difficult thing to do. Can you talk about that and talk about that fear emotion and how you help patients deal with that? Uh, you said it is so difficult to tell someone they have a disease that has a very high chance of taking their life. Um, it's, um, you want to, the, what I focus on all the time when I'm telling someone a diagnosis of cancer is that 
there is always hope and that there's always treatment. And I think if you tell someone the diagnosis and outline treatments and outline what you're going to do and have a plan that patients take away from that horrible conversation and horrible news that there is hope and that something can be done and there always is treatment uh, no matter how serious it is. And um, it's, it's, it's scary. It's very scary. Um, You know, to hear that you have cancer, to not know what your future is. I mean, we all have a uncertain future, right? We all do. We all do. But when this news is put on your plate, it's, you really know that you have an uncertain future. And um, it, it just, in that moment, people have a hard time uh, thinking about anything else. And a lot of times what they think of, the first thing they think of, I think, or what people have told me is that they immediately think of their family and their kids and what's going to happen to them. And, you know, what if I die from this? What, you know, what if, what if, what if, and the fear, and it's also the fear of, of not knowing how they're going to tolerate the treatments, Mm -hmm. the fear of the side effects of treatment. So it's, it's fear in so many aspects of, of, um, the process exists and, um, it's my job to navigate that fear in, in a way that gives people hope. Right. And you and I, and there's, there's so much, there's so much in there. Um, but you and I, as, as we've talked about the elements and, and kind of gone through them, one of the elements that you have focused in on is that, is that feeling of positivity and that feeling of hope. And so let's just talk about that for a second. How, where do you go with that? Right? Like, so how do you infuse that hope and that, and that positivity with your patients? You know, I, it starts with, for me, it starts with the doctor rather than the person sitting in front of me, because if I don't have hope that they're going to make a recovery, how, how can they have hope that they're going to make a recovery? So you can't come to them with a sentiment of resignation or giving up, or you're going to die soon or anything like that, because we really don't know. And we may have a medical idea of, of how long someone has to live based on statistics, but every person is, is unique in every case of every medical situation is unique and every cancer is unique. And so I try to let people know that, you know, think about yourself. Don't think about your friend who had this experience or don't think about your, mm-hmm. your uh, mother-in-law that had this experience or your, you know, or so-and-so that died of this disease or whatever. Don't think of them because, because that does, that's not, um, that's not you. That's not you. It's not, you're not, that's, you're not, you're not them. Their disease is different. You can't compare yourself to them. And it's really hard. It's hard to do that in the beginning, I think, because it's common. It's it's human nature to compare yourself. Well, you know, this was what happened to her. Why? Same thing's going to happen to me. Um, but it's so not true. And nowadays, with personalized medicine and and 
we're able to match the right medicine for the right cancer at the right time, there's so much hope to be given through science. And I, and I, that's what I concentrate on when I think about how I have to bring hope into the situation. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, it's such a wonderful lesson in terms of like, don't, don't expand your, sometimes it's wonderful to expand the worldview. And then sometimes it's like, none of that matters. It's all about, about you and me and we're here right now. So, um, and so it sounds like, you know, uh, education and understanding options. I know um, one of the things that you do as part of your, you, you do so much in so many ways, but um, I think about the service element and advocacy and all of the advocacy you do to make sure that people know about their, um, all their options and, mm-hmm. and the different treatments and all of that. Can you talk about the role of advocacy and service and, and how, how you think about that? Definitely. Uh, the, the most important thing is to actually be your own advocate, I think, but it, that's very hard when someone is sick and feeling, you know, having side effects either related to the treatment or related to the cancer itself. Um, so we need to rely, if we can't be our own advocate, we need to rely on other people and other organizations to carry out that role for us. And that's why I feel that, you know, part of my medicine, my own personal medicine is advocacy because it's healing. It's healing, knowing that you're helping people in that way to, you may not be treating the cancer, but you're helping them find uh, resources that can help them in day-to-day life and coping with side effects or coping with financial insecurity or, or with their children or whatever aspect of, of living with cancer, um, they need help with for me to do advocacy work is really another form of, of, of therapy and of therapeutic medicine. And, and that's why I do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, uh, we have service and help as a self-care element because not because of what you're doing for other people, because of really what that does for you, the positive impact mm-hmm. that it has on, on you as a human being in terms of feeling like you're making a meaningful contribution to the world is powerful. Very powerful. And, and you know, um, the, you want to take the patient's voice and spread that voice to everyone so that they know how to best help that person when the patient may be, may not be able to do it for themselves. And that's why I've taken such a big interest in, in, in uh, creating advocacy organizations and, and really connecting patients to resources that, that exist already um, so that they can advocate for themselves by just simply reaching out to these people that will do it for them. Right. There's, there's an amazing, you know, I think one of the most, you know, I'll call it wonderful parts of cancer or of the cancer community is how many resources and support networks there are from people who have, many of them inspired from people who have survived cancer and just want to give back or, um, or, or want to make the experience of other people better. Yeah, there's, you know, 
if you, you know, look online for resources or ask someone who's gone through it or ask your medical team about it, we can always bring to you a list of resources of, of helpful organizations to address any issue that you're facing, whether it's um, medical, financial, social, psychological, um, you know, family life, whatever it is, sexual, uh, you know, it can be anything. It can be any type of issue that cancer affects and cancer affects everything. It does. It, it, even if you have a, a cancer that is, um, not related to hormones, your hormones get affected by the treatments, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's, it's, Cancer affects every aspect of your life and having the support and the resources to, to help you get through it and navigate it is what you need in addition to the medical treatments. Absolutely. So, and, and also that constant reminder of, uh, rather than staying in that dark place, there's always a place you can go for that help. There's always something. So the, the cancer diagnosis to your point, uh, the first place a patient might, might go in their mind is what's going to happen to their family or the people that they love. And I know as you know, when, it, when somebody in your life has a cancer diagnosis, the thing that you want to do is, is support them. And that person might be, um, you know, somebody in your family, somebody you work with a friend. So let's talk about the support element and how it, sometimes it's, it's so scary. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to right. do when you only want right. to. Do you have thoughts about that? And what guidance can you give to someone who just wants who just wants to help and support? Um, I think that people have to kind of realize that the person that they're trying to help at th that time may not is so scared and so you know in the in the um, deep into the, the, uh, treatment and, and, and the emotions of cancer that they may put a stop to the outside world and say, you know what, I don't want to hear from my friends. I don't want to, I don't want to hear from family. I just want to concentrate on, on what I have to do to get better. And they think of all these outside people as distractions rather than as help. And then there are other people that welcome it and are the Facebook group people and post on Facebook and, and, and want to, everyone to know that they have cancers and because they, they thrive on that support and that network of people knowing and people being cheerleaders, even virtual cheerleaders, or, you know, there are people that thrive on, in that kind of a support. Um, if, if you know of someone going through cancer, I think that, and if they're willing, if that person is willing to talk about they're, what they're going through, I think that the best way that a friend or a family member can support them is just saying, you know, is there anything that you need? Is there anything I can do for you? Mm -hmm. um, and it can be as little as, you know, just a text, or it could be, you know, picking up their dry cleaning because they just can't get to picking their dry cleaning up, you know, because they're in treatment or whatever it is, you know, so so it could be a small thing. It could be food. It could be an errand. It could be a, 
I just, just thinking about you, I love you text Mm -hmm. or something like that, you know, anything, but you have to really meet the person where they are and how much support that they want, because there are people that do not want this support and you don't want to, you know, alienate them and alienate your relationship by offering too much because you think that that's what they want. Sure. 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 And so really, really just think, thinking about, about that, that individual and what they need. Um, so I want to, I, so many these days with all of the work that's been done in cancer research, so many cancers have a positive outcome these days, which is very true. So wonderful. Um, however, I recently read that many people who have had cancer continue to live in fear of recurrence. Very true. And so, so what do you have thoughts about that? How do, how can they overcome that fear? Are there, you know, any, any words of wisdom there? Well, it's very well known that once someone finishes treatment, they, the, the fear that it's a different type of fear that takes over and it leads into, um, you know, when someone's being monitored for recurrence, they get scans every so often and every three months. And that, that time leading up to the scan is, we call it scanxiety because it is mm-hmm. scanxiety and it, it's very palpable in, in patients. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they can be more irritable. They can be more depressed. They can, they can withdraw. They can, all these things can happen in the, in the days to weeks leading up to a, a scan because they're so worried about what that scan is going to show and is, you know, are they going to get bad news again? And, you know, and, um, I, I, how I manage something that I'm worried about, (laughs) um, not, you know, not necessarily cancer, but, but anything in life that you're worried (laughs) about, I, I, I'm the kind of person that pushes it aside. I call it healthy denial. I just don't think about it. That's what I do. And, and it gets me to where I need to go. And it's, I just put it in my pocket. I know it's there. I know it's there, but I put it in my pocket and I say, you know what? I'm not going to think about that today. I'm going to push it out. I'm going to, I don't need to think about this today. I'm denying that I, that it even exists. And I just call it healthy denial and I push it out. And that's how I deal with, with fearful elements in my life. Yeah. So, so different techniques to manage anxiety, but there, there are so many and putting it in a box is, is certainly one of them. Yeah. And I mean, there, nowadays there's a lot of meditation apps sure. and, um, that is, I think a lot of patients tell me they find that very helpful to, um, meet, you know, to, to try to get, in, uh, manage their emotions, you know, as it relates to the fear of recurrence, um, I think it's really helpful to identify other people who are like you in the support group environment. And, you know, they, they have many support groups out there for survivors and you're a survivor on day one, honestly, when you have cancer, you're a survivor when you're even going through it because you survived that day and you survived that day of knowing that you have cancer, you're a survivor yep. and you, and there are so many survivor groups available to people virtual in person once the pandemic's over. Um, and you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's out there. If you want to seek it out, it is certainly out there. And there every major organization that advocates for cancer, 
um, diagnosis like breast or lung or prostate or pancreas or colon, they all have their own advocacy organizations and all of these support resources are there and available and very easy to access. So um, I encourage people to use those resources to get through that anxiety time or that anxiety time of, of thinking about recurrence all the time. Yeah. And you also, you touched on something also that's so important. We talked about positivity before, but that just this idea that you're a warrior, this natural, this resilience that you have, that you are going to survive this is, is so important, right? You're tough. Oh yeah. This is oh, not, you're not weak. You're strong. Right. And I really do think there is a positive medical impact of having a positive outlook on your situation. You know, I, I'm very involved in a, in a wonderful organization that is deals with quality of life called the Jack and Jill Late Stage Cancer Foundation. And they, they grant wow experiences to people, families that are dealing with late stage cancer. And they, um, we, we chronicle the, the, the trips that these families take to take a time out from cancer. And we have seen people's tumor markers go down after these experiences when nothing else was done, no change in the therapy, nothing. But, but the fact that they were able to spend quality time with their family on a fun vacation, on a fun experience and not have to think about cancer and have a positive outlook and just know in that moment that everything is going to be okay because everything is okay in that moment. It does have a positive impact on your medical outcome. I really believe that there are a lot of studies looking into quality of life and and, um, initiatives that improve quality of life and can they improve overall survival? Um, It's a lot of times it's hard to measure because, you know, obviously for the questions you're asking, it's hard to document this in a scientific way. But when you see someone's tumor marker go down, hey, there is something to that. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Um, so I, I want to, and I think we started, I started by sharing that I believe you to be one of the most empathetic doctors in New York City, probably in the world. Um, Thank so you. Let's, let's talk about empathy because there is a, a need for increased empathy in our world today for us all just to come together and see each other as human beings rather than as adversaries. And as someone who has such great empathy for for others. Can you share some thoughts about how we can infuse more empathy into into our society and into our lives? I know it's a big question, but you're so good at it. I trust <laughs> you will have an answer. Oh well, thank you so much for for um, for saying that that about me. Um, I I think that it, empathy definitely comes from within and people are, I think, born with it. But I also think that people can become empathetic um, when, as they experience situations um, that happen to themselves, they realize that, you know, this is happening to me right now, just like it happened to someone else. So I need to be empathetic to, to the next person that this happens to, because I've, experienced it myself and I know that it can happen to me and empathy is born out of gratitude I think 
because if you are grateful for what has been given to you and all the little gifts and big gifts that have been given to you, you can carry more empathy because you're, you have been able to express gratitude for everything that has happened to you so far. So I think they're kind of tied together and uh, I just, you know, in, in today's world, um, we need to, like you said, not think of someone as an enemy or as an adversary. We need to think of someone, anyone as me, as they're just like me. They're just like me. They're, they're going through the same things. They have the potential to the same things to happen to them. They, they should have access to the same therapies as I do. Like it, it has to deal with what someone experiences, what someone can access, what someone can understand. All of this is empathy because if you have empathy, then you're going to be able to um, help someone else get the same help that you got because you're, you're willing to reach out and you understand their situation. Empathy is, is ultimately having a deep sense of understanding of, of what the other person is going through. And you only can understand what someone's going through if you experience yourself and you, you, you're in touch with that experience and you understand um, how that experience affected you. So you then can understand how it would affect someone else. Yeah. So the more we can find common ground in our experiences, the more empathetic we can become. And absolutely. Uh, I will. And to your point, empathy and gratitude are deeply connected. So I will end on a note of gratitude. Thank you, Allison. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And I am so grateful uh, for you doing this with me and to have you in my life. I feel very fortunate. Thank and you. I'm grateful for you, Allie, Allison, uh, for, uh, uh, for everything that you are doing, um, with the elements of us. And, and this has been a wonderful, wonderful time speaking to you and thank you for everything. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Hi, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please head over to the podcast store and give it a five-star rating. And if you really enjoyed, hit subscribe and you'll be alerted for future episodes. Thanks for listening to The Elements of Us.